saving money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options in stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Hey, what's happening? I'm Braden Flynn, photographer and fellow film shooter, and started Film Supply Club as a way to support the film shooting community to save us all money on film and other photo-related products and gear. The way it works basically is there's a small monthly membership fee, and then as a member, you get as close to wholesale pricing as we can get it, saving you a ton of money throughout the year. As a listener to Analog Talk Podcast, we're offering a $20 gift card to use in the shop if you sign up for a membership at an annual level. So go to filmsupply.club slash analog, or just go to filmsupply.club to visit the shop. So hope to have you in the club. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Analog Talk, a film photography podcast. I'm your host, Chris. I'm Tim. And today's guest, we have George from Negative Feedback. Hey, George. Hey. <laughs> Hello. Thanks for joining us. So before we get into all the things we'd like to pick your brain about, can you give our listeners um, a background on yourself and how you got started in photography? Sure. Uh, I guess I've been <laughs> interested. Well, it's like a, yeah, it's like a big thing into one. Mm-hmm. Um, I got interested in photography when I was really young, I guess. I think I bought my first camera when I was like 11. Um, wow. And I was just like taking horrible photos of my friends. Uh, with- <laughs> They're like, there was no purpose to anything until mm-hmm. a lot later. But um, I guess my first like real uh, interest or the first like proper spark of photography was when I was 14 uh, in the UK. You do work experience with school and um, I spent two weeks at a photography studio uh, who did uh, lifestyle portraits, weddings and events. And um, we got on really well and we work together from like when I was 14 to I guess like 20 um just like any time I had when I wasn't studying I'd go and like assist him and help on shoots yeah that's Um, great (laughs) but I just like I knew pretty soon after I got into that that I did not want to do weddings like I just did not enjoy that (laughs) and um same but it was like really cool to learn how a business of photography works and then from that I went to study video uh, so at college, not university, college, I did a two-year course on video production, which like I'd, I'd always kind of like done photo and video simultaneously and kind of swung between which one I'd prefer to do in the long run. Uh, but they go quite hand in hand. So for that period of time, I was like juggling both. And then I went to university, dropped out in like a month uh, <laughs> for video. Well, it was like, it was like a very similar course to the course I did at college like right. the one of the first lectures went over camera angles and I was just like I can't do this again right I, <laughs> like, I, this I understand again. what a long shot is and what a mid shot is yeah right. so um I ended up dropping out and becoming freelance and I just did like video stuff mainly photos like on the side but I didn't really get paid very much for anything 
his main video uh, had a job where I was interviewing sports personalities. That was somewhat interesting. About two years after that, or two years into that, I uh, started making YouTube videos about film photography. Then I don't know how long it's been, and here I am now. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say the film production, when you said that, I was like, oh, that makes so much sense because the stuff on your channel is so well done. Yeah, so yeah, I... I was into all of that and like I had a lot of friends that made YouTube videos so that was like an obvious thing to me to do at the time. So did you have when you got started did you did you have a plan for it in your mind off the bat or or have it is like build like it's like a slow like it it was like quite a weird start actually like I the very first inception of the whole of negative feedback was I just thought of the name one day Mm. and I saw that the domain was free so I bought that and kind of said, oh, I'll figure out what this should be later. That's a really good name for something to do with film. And um, pretty sure. soon after, I decided that I should make a... It was like a blog, uh, which I did on Medium. And it was just going to be photos of every roll of film, like sample photos. Like, I remember at the time when I was getting into film, I'd like look on Flickr in all the groups of like, oh, this is what Kodak looks like. This is what Fuji looks like. And I was just trying to learn all of that. And... As someone who at the time I think was like 20, there, like being a very internet person, there wasn't great resources. Like I never studied photography and I wanted, like I learn everything through videos and stuff like that. I've been like very self-proactive, I guess, and like learning how to edit. I did that through YouTube tutorials. So I wanted like the similar thing, but for film photography, which is what I was really interested in. So uh, I started off making these just like written reviews of what to expect, but then one day I was like, wait, I should just make videos. Like, that makes so much more sense, considering I know how to do that. And we made one video, which never went live. Oh, really? Yeah, we just, like, rushed into it, and I wasn't very happy with how it came out. And um, I was just going to ask that, if you had some, like, lost negative feedback <laughs> episodes yeah. that never made never there's made been, the cut. There's been, like, three in all of time, which is pretty good. Yeah, really. That yeah, is that is good. good. But, yeah, the first one never came out. It wasn't, like, a. it was essentially the same thing as the first proper episode, but Mm -hmm. um, it just wasn't quite like filmed how I imagined it so I kind of forgot about it for a while and then it was like this really weird series of events where someone who I was working with on some projects at the time uh, got a call from this like very high up an ad agency guy uh, who was interested on doing this campaign on something to do with photography and mental health and how there was a study that had proved that picking up photography improves your mental health I don't know exactly oh, what wow. it was, um, but he was like, we should shoot the pilot episode and send it to this agency because I think we can make something with them. They'd be really cool. The same, like two days later, we shot the first actual episode and we just like, we edited it. And then the day after we uploaded it and like, then I was like, okay, guess we better make one for next week. <laughs> yeah. So, like there wasn't like a plan. It was just, yeah. Okay. This is, this is happening now. It's crazy how blogs like, B-L-O-G used to be so I mean I would go to so many different photography blogs all the time and now I I couldn't even tell you the last time I actually like went to a blog site and read something I mean other than when Petapixel put something out about Kodak being sold and dying and stuff like that I kind (laughs) of yeah I I jumped over and read that real quick but um I love that uh that video is kind of I mean it's so much easier to sit down and watch something rather than to I mean that sounds so lazy of me and so like <laughs> I don't know. I think you came at the right time too. Yeah, it's a an obvious evolution to me that 
with video being more accessible to more people that it's more enjoyable to consume as a audience mm-hmm. member. So yeah, I guess it kind of made sense over time. So do you freelance still with video? Or are you like full time on your YouTube channel or? Well, yeah, I haven't done anything for like two years apart from this. Maybe a, maybe a bit less than that. But like I, I stopped taking video jobs like two years ago, but I'd still do like the occasional photography thing. But mm-hmm. in the like last actual year, I did absolutely nothing other than this. Um, but in like the last. Amazing. Yeah, it's really cool. I'm really fortunate. I always remember when I was like getting into all of this, one of my friends would always tell me like about saying no to jobs. Like, you don't have mm-hmm. to take everything. And, like, when you be able to start saying no to things, that's, like, the most powerful position. Mm. Yeah. Because, like, you no longer do you become just, like, fitting the mold that someone else wants. They have to come to you f- for you, not to, like, fill a gap. Um, wow. Yes. Yeah. And that's, that's like, that's happened now. That's great. Like, for years, I was like, well, I can't say no. I don't have any money. And yeah. I, I need to do this. Right. I was <laughs> um, going to say, I've done, like, so many like events it's a, because you have to and 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 yeah you know getting burnt out and not feeling inspired and like it's like what are you supposed to do you know it's like yeah that catch 22 is like i want to be a professional photographer so i'm going to take everything yeah. and i'm sort of in that position now where where i can say like no to things and it's like like you said super empowering and part of the the whole I mean, creating your brand and like the type of your work you, you do the work you want to do which we've talked about on the show a million times but yeah yeah I can relate to that. So actually, it's not my New Year's resolution by any means. I have zero of them. Um, <laughs> but I made like a like a mental note like two months ago that I was going to start doing uh, photography commissions. Like I'd always yeah. like had it like, yeah, I'll do this. And like I'd wait for only like the things that I really, really wanted to do. But I decided that, yeah, from now on, I'm going to take a lot more uh, on uh, because I, like I want to make some examples of things which I don't currently have and then use them to get even better things in the future yeah. I just think like without having done some things like that in a while it's interesting to go back and try it with new knowledge which I've had from like making personal work in the last year oh yeah that's true see I feel like it's so easy to get pigeonholed on like you know to take like like you just said chris like taking every job that you could to be in photography you know like just to do it but you know you don't well i don't know maybe you do want to shoot weddings and stuff like that but that's like not the kind of work i want to do and i feel like you get kind of labeled as a wedding photographer if you're shooting weddings and stuff like that all the time so i guess i don't know that's such like a see i come strictly for like personal work like i don't really ever do any sort of paid work anymore minus like selling a book or a print or something like that that's kind of how i make any sort of money off of that so i don't know what that's like so it's kind of interesting to hear yeah (laughs) (laughs) i think there's a greater i don't know matter a problem or like it's not a problem but to me more so than being pigeonholed as a photographer the thing that i was stuck on for a while was like am i a youtuber or am i a mm. photographer and which mm. one would i rather be and for a long time i was like focusing on trying to make the work that would shift me from doing this to being more art centric and how like basically when i started the channel i was really interested in gear and now i really don't care mm-hmm. yeah and like i just grew up a lot and I'm interested in just good things, not necessarily just what film is. And um, trying to do that as a my own person, not just a channel as well, was like the thing I was stuck on. And I think for a while I was like figuring out how to do that. 
And then recently I was just like, well, why does it have to be one or the other? Like, why can't sure. I just focus on this as a, a channel, make all the things and worry about myself separately? Like, they're two entities. They don't have to be one or the other. Right. Yeah. Do you ever do you shoot personal work for yourself with, without sharing it to the channel? Yeah. Like, uh, that's, good. that's like, that's what I was doing. And I was waiting yeah. to like finish it. And then I'd be like, look, this is what I've done and gain the interest mm. from the people who watch the videos. But I had this like, uh, basically because I wanted to be interested in like the, the more art world, traditional publishing and things like that and gallery mm. side of things. They basically like the, the way the law is set is that you don't show anyone any work until it's done. You come out, yeah. you release a book, you release an exhibition or whatever the end result is. And like, it has to be brand new. If like, that's the biggest selling point to them is that like, we'll sell more books if they haven't seen it before. That's like the way they think. And I think the next or the current thing which I'm working on, uh, I haven't shared it yet with my videos, but my plan is to not do that because I think that the landscape's completely changed. And if I'm able to share the journey that I go on and bring people along the way, they'll feel way more attached to the work. Like they had yep. like some sort of input and then want to buy a book or come to the exhibition because they feel like they're a part of the journey. Yes. As opposed to just, just being say like, that. hey, here's this thing which you have no idea about. Please buy it. <laughs> I really like that concept because at that to me, like what you said, be, feeling a part of it, that's the main thing I think that people will want to get it is because they're like, I remember this when he went there and like this is how he shot that and like now I have it on my coffee table you know what I mean or whatever yeah it's and like really if cool. there's a comment that's like oh you, sh you should go check out this place or like if the suggestion of like a town to go and visit and then you mm -hmm. end up making a photo that it's like it's almost like a collaborative project I guess but yeah oh, yeah it's just oh, interesting yeah. It's crazy yeah see I always struggled with with like the little bit of YouTube stuff that I dabbled in that I kind of what you were just talking about. It's like, do you do it for YouTube or do you do it for yourself kind of thing? And like, I would get so stuck on what I thought people wanted to see mm -hmm. from me on my channel that my photography turned into that. And I really, you know, lost sight of what I loved about. So I wasn't only just resenting YouTube, I was resenting my photography as well. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of like a catch 20. I mean, that's why I haven't made a video in 10 months. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's just it got so overwhelming that I kind of started to hate my work. And that's the last thing I wanted to do, because just like you said a couple minutes ago, you were doing something that involved mental mental health mm -hmm. and photography and how it helps that, you know, like I totally use photography as a medicine. So mm -hmm. I didn't want to corrupt that. So I had to I had to choose. But now I feel like I'm at a point where I can definitely kind of juggle both. I just wish I had somebody to film me <laughs> so I didn't <laughs> yeah. have to worry about all that part. Because that part's so Yeah. That's daunting, why like it's hard to do your... like yeah. what I'm planning to do of the like shooting the like main personal project. Because I really if if I just focus on the photos, I know the photos will be better. If I have to worry yeah. about video too, it's like it is an extra thing which I don't want to have to juggle. But Yeah. It's a balancing act. But mm -hmm. when you were saying like making photos for YouTube or with like the purpose of the, the videos being on YouTube, mm -hmm. I've always had this like, I know that the photos that I make for YouTube, I don't like them. Like that's just like, if I have to make or try to make, I know that I don't most of the time make a video every week. I don't make good yeah. photos every week. Like that's just right. like unrealistic yeah. expectations. So as a compromise, you put out all these things which you don't really care about. And some people love them. 
some people hate them because they're like, oh, you could have done this. I don't like mm-hmm. these photos. Maybe you should do this. And yeah, I think I just got to a point where I was like, actually, I'm serving a purpose of these photos as an example, not as, hey, here's the best photos in the world. So like when you, I know the, like the worst ones are when you see a new digital camera comes out and they make like a video about like, <laughs> just like the <laughs> sample video. I've never seen one that's like anywhere near good. Yeah. <laughs> Why aren't they good? I don't know. But what I'm trying to do with the videos is like, this is what to expect from this item. Right. Like right. I'm not yeah. saying like, this is my best thing. And the worst thing is me then being like, well, I wish I could take the time to show them the things I could do. So I think that's why I'm interested in like shooting commissions now and all these other things, because I know that with my own time and resources, I can make something so much better and that I'm more proud of showing. Now with the commission work, are you, are you going to do videos on that? Or is that just like strictly kind of a personal thing? I don't know. I'm having like, so I've got a shoot on Tuesday uh, for a brand and I, they're not so like, in the past, I've had, like, an opportunity to shoot, say, like, a lookbook or something for a brand and yeah. kind of tie it together as this nice, oh, I can make a video about it too, and that's, like, extra advertising for you, mm. and then they'll pay me for that video. That's great. Like, that's the ideal situation. But if they're not able to pay me, <laughs> do, do I, anyway. like... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you still include it in a video... Because you're giving them something else, which then, like, you don't want to lose the value of that mm-hmm. because you want to charge some people for it. So, like, I'm not sure because, like, I started yeah. making these weekly videos, which are more like a diary of what I'm up to. And I'm like, well, I would love to say this week I've been shooting for this brand and here are the images I made and this is why I did it. But, like, I think at the moment I'm sitting on, I should actually just show it because it's portraying me it's advertising mm. my work and then someone who watches that might work for something else and they'll be like oh, right exactly but it's like a hard decision that is a hard decision yeah agreed it's kind of almost like you know doing doing taking a job for little to no money because of who it's for or like exposure have you shot the celebrity you know <laughs> it's like <laughs> great but like we'll give you an like- instagram shout yeah. out it'll be great <laughs> rough uh, I was just going to sort of kind of off track, but have you always shot film? I know I saw no. the video with your little um, point and shoot digital camera, but yeah. how has your journey so, been with like actual photography? The first camera I got after that tiny thing was a Canon 600D, I think. I had that for like a few years. No, I had a Nikon D3100. That was the first Ooh. one. I had that one for a few years. Then I got the 600D when I went on holiday to America because it was cheaper than buying it at home. <laughs> and then I had that for a bit and I was, I was working for the photography studio, which I said before. He, somehow he was like the first person to get a 5D Mark III in the country. He had like two oh, a month before wow. release. I remember when those um, came out. And he didn't like them in the end. He was like a, a strictly 1D user. And um, he ended Mm. up selling me one of them for, like, a mega cheap price. So I used that from, like, when I was 18 to 20-something. 20, I guess. Um, And then I had bought a Sony A7S instead because that was good for video. And I bought my first film camera when I went to university uh, for the one month because I was staying in, like, a classic, like, halls. And I was like, I should make some photos to put on the wall. Like the classic, like cliche student, yeah, yeah. snapshots on the wall. So I bought a Canon FTB 
on eBay for like eleven pounds, and um, shot like five rolls of film of just like my friends, and then left it in a box. And um, <laughs> I, like I was interested in film, but like I'd only ever had it scanned at like the worst lab possible. Like I had no yeah. idea of like what things could be like. I tr- treated it more as like a, a toy and some fun, uh, like a disposable camera to someone who's like not interested in photography. Um, and then when I was started working like semi well I guess it was full-time as freelance I had this like proper job for six months doing video and um I was earning money for the first time in my life like full-time and I was like <laughs> yeah. I, I spend money on nothing I'm gonna buy like all of the nicest cameras in no time and I bought uh, I bought a Leica M6 and yes. a Contax T2 yeah um, I didn't really need- do it <laughs> no but I the funny thing was that I bought the contacts. No, wait. No, this was later. I bought a Yashica T4 first. Yes. Um, I shot that for a while. And then I was like, okay, I, I really like film now. This is really fun. I want to, like, buy something nicer. Um, not that that wasn't nice. Just, like, I was interested in, like, trying everything. <laughs> um, and oh, yeah. at the time, that was, like, £100. It was, like, before everything got expensive. Um, and I, I found a T2 on eBay from like a first time seller and it was like 150 pounds oh, I was gonna say, oh gonna my break goodness my heart. and <laughs> it was the golden one as well it was like ultimate bling there was like one yeah. tiny dent in it it was like no problems but I bought it and the guy never shipped it and it had been oh, like no. two weeks and like he wasn't refunding me as well and I was just like I don't know what to do here so <laughs> I got paid again and I was like okay I'm gonna buy it like you instead um so I bought an m6 and the day the M6 arrived, the T2 also arrived. <gasps> oh my goodness. Best and day it was ever. like, well, yeah, but I was like, I need to send one of these back. I can't do yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then as soon as I like held both, I was like, no, nah, I, I need to keep both of these. What can I do to keep <laughs> both? Um, so yeah, I made that happen. And then a few months later, I, I bought a Hasselblad when I wanted to get interested in medium format. It was like, that was a roller coaster. Yeah. Do you still have, all, do you still have them all? You didn't no, sell I have any none of them. Right? <laughs> <gasps> <sighs> yeah. Dang. And like it, when I was making videos at first, I had to like recycle cameras. Like I don't have yeah loads of money to just be like collect them. Right. All. I had to sell one and buy another one to make like a different video. So yeah, none of them are with me anymore. But I'm not. R.I.P. I don't mind. <laughs> it would Man, have been nice to that. sell the contacts at the peak, but that's okay. Oh yeah. Was that Man. the black contacts? No, it was the gold one. I sold oh. it for like three hundred and fifty, and then oh, like goodness. a month later, they were up to like seven hundred. I was like, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I remember seeing the gold, the gold T two in the videos back in the day. <laughs> yeah, it served me. It's well. funny. Yeah, yeah. We were just talking before you hopped on that uh, about you know title like YouTube content for film photography. It's kind of a like a niche market, you know, and mm-hmm. you've definitely kind of like blew out of that bubble you know you're you're definitely the, the negative feedback channel has really grown with like more mainstream you know, yeah more mainstream than you know say like the smaller film community channels and and i somebody had just posted a video and it was like more of a theory-based video rather than a gear video and everyone was like applauding said person for doing like a theory video instead of you know showing another film camera and and it's it's just tough like when you're trying to grow a channel on youtube 
like you have to do gear mm -hmm. because yeah. it's the only searchable content you can really do, you know? And I kind of like, especially now, since your, your channel's like transition, you know, you went from like a gear heavy channel, like doing a new camera or a new film stock, like each week to kind of your in conversation videos. And, you know, I like the, the weekly diary cause it, you like I, I tried to do stuff like that with my channel too. I was doing like what I did in a like a day or a week or something like that of photography because you know, like you said, not every day you're shooting something special or you know, you're not you know, some days you don't even do anything photography related. At least I know I do, yeah. you know, and like it's pretty cool to see how your channels transitioned from like a gear centric do you still feel yeah. like you you get the same response with your videos as you did? Uh, I think people definitely want gear videos. They yeah. like I, they would still be more popular, but yeah, I don't yeah. really care. I guess. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I love that. But I think I think I there was like a shift a few months ago when I said about like the photographer that does YouTube or YouTube that does photography. Mm -hmm. um, that's when I thought about being less uptight about not wanting to do gear. I was like, well, this doesn't like tie me as a person into liking this. Maybe some people think that from the outside, but like I can just do this because it will be successful. And like if that's actually yeah. my job, what, like I, do, I don't care. Other people might care from the outside, but like I need this to get views. I need this to like mm -hmm. do what it has to do. And I don't mind. Sure, I'll do a I'm going to film a review <laughs> tomorrow, actually. So they're coming back, but like nice. they're going to not be much. And like, I would much rather promote going to galleries and yeah. doing like things which will keep the parts of photography that I enjoy alive to the next generation than talking about why this camera is good and why you need it. Because if you buy it realistically, you're not going to get any better. Like you're just going to have mm -hmm. a slightly different camera. Mm -hmm. That's so true. That's such like a misconception too. Like a lot of people think, especially when you're first starting off, that you need a Leica M6 to take classic 35 black and white millimeter photos. You know what I mean? Like it, yeah. gear really doesn't matter, man. You can take a crappy, crappy, you know, $2 point and shoot and get some amazing photographs that actually have feeling and grit to them. True. I mean, I've shot expensive cameras and I mean, the outcome's pretty much the same. You know, the glass might be a little bit better and... You might get a sharper image or something like that, but yeah, man. they're just all black boxes at the end of the day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep, collecting light. <clears throat> Are you working on any um, like books or anything at the moment, George? Like zine type stuff? No. Well, yes and no. Yeah, I'm like so working on a series of images, which I mean, the last series of images which I made, I thought I wanted to be my first book, um, but mm. I ended up. I was thinking. The only way to like do the analogy is that it was like releasing an EP before the album. And I was like, I'd much rather come out with the hit album first. Than yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Here's like something in t five years I'm going to regret a bit. And I wish I just like waited for the next thing. So um, the thing I'm working on at the moment, I'm like, well, I hope this is the album. But at the same time, it might get to the end and not be good enough. But yeah, I'm working on something. I've got an exhibition in the summer for it. So I'm... Oh, congrats. I'm That's working exciting. on finishing it for that, but I might keep doing it uh, in terms of actually like printing it. So it's like, yeah, nice. I'm doing it. And like, this is what I'm planning on doing those videos where I said about bringing people along. So 
it's not like a secret and like the the work in progress is already on my website so like i'm not hiding it but i haven't like yeah. mentioned it yet cool is it a, is it all eight by ten or is it yes there's yeah. one oh no there's like a few photos which aren't but like the the, the intended purpose is away by 10 i still need to get my hands on one every time you share some of your work on the channel of the 8x10 and other 8x10 like large format photographers i shoot four or five but there's just something about 810 that looks unreal mm-hmm. yeah i mean like i got into it pretty quickly after i got into four or five and it was like I was just at my friend, well, I say my friend's house, my friend's Airbnb at the time. And um, he'd just been to his storage unit and he'd picked out his Toyo 8x10. And like we'd been playing around on 4x5s for a little bit. Uh, I didn't I didn't actually own one yet. And um, I like it was like a, even a dark room. It wasn't like great conditions. But the first time I looked through the 8x10 ground glass instead of 4x5, I was just like, okay, this is so much better. <laughs> like, like um, wow. yeah. <laughs> I just like instantly knew this like yeah this is what I want to do I think to me at least I don't know if everyone notices but like anytime I look at a, a great photographer's work who shot 8 by 10 it's like that's just like the work I gravitate towards mm-hmm. it's not because yeah. of the subject matter or all these things so, like, it's just like it has a look and a feeling and as much as like I don't like gear it's like no but this is like a separate entity you can't replicate yeah. that look. it really is that just makes me think of that photographer. I can't think of the name of the photographer at the moment, but the one who did all the celebrities like with no makeup with 8x10. I don't think I've seen it. I'll have to post yeah, it on I don't our think Instagram. I've seen that either. They're incredible. But yeah, there's definitely a different look with the 8x10 for sure. And it's just like a pleasure to use as well. Like it's just fun. I've never I've never used one. It's well, it's fun until you have to carry it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Most definitely bigger than me, I'm sure. Man. That and like uh, film costs, I've, I've, it's got to be up there with the price of film for that too. It's ridiculous. But like yeah. I haven't bought any in quite a long time. So I like I had an eBay guy for a bit and I, oh, he nice, like he kept nice. uploading some for like a really, really cheap price. Like a brand new box of portrait at the time was like 220 pounds for 10 photos, which is insane. Wow. Yeah. I can't afford that. Like I, no, I bought them no. fresh. I bought three boxes fresh ever. And that was because I was shooting a commission and like they paid for it. But like it came out of my bank account, but like they paid me for it. Um, (laughs) That's the only time. All of the rest is like expired off eBay. And I had this one guy who like was selling me a box like 80 pounds at a time. And I was like, oh, this is great. Like I I bought one. It's 400 NC expired in 2007. And I was like, well, I'll test it out, see what it's like. And if it's good, I'll buy like whatever else he uploads. Yeah. And like it came out perfectly. And I mm. remember just like I'd email him like every week being like, hey, look, if you have more, I'll buy everything you have like right now. <laughs> like, I just like I knew this was the only way I could afford to shoot color. And like I want to yeah. make something impactful with color 8 by 10 before it's gone. I'm like, I don't think 35 mil film is going to die anytime soon. But 8 by 10, it might like black and white yeah. will stay yeah. around, but color is on the way out. And so sad. Yeah, I ended up after like a year convincing him to sell me like 10 boxes which was like horribly expensive yeah Yeah. but i haven't bought film in like a year now so it's like it's worked out and i've still got like 60 sheets left and that's what i'm intending to shoot the rest of this series with and when that's gone it's great i'm gonna shoot black and white yeah i was gonna say it's good that you have intention with that because when i buy stuff that's like a limited run of film or whatever i like like the lamography 
F2 400 film. Mm -hmm. I like love that stock. So I, I bought a bunch, but I haven't shot it because I'm like, I, I don't want it to go. Like, I don't like I don't want to shoot it, you know, because I don't want to run out. <laughs> yeah. But if you haven't, you know, it's good you have the intention like this is going to be for this project and then that's it. Because yeah. otherwise it stays in your fridge like my whole well, stack. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like I've struggled like when I'm taking portraits of people which aren't to do with this series. Like I've shot portraits of two different people, well three. One was a couple, like, or yeah, four. I've done three like portrait shoots on eight by ten in the last however long, uh, separate to like the actual series work I'm doing. And choosing how much black and white or how much color to shoot was like mm -hmm. such a hard experience. So I think the the black and white film I bought was on discount at the time. It had like a a crack in the box or something it was fine but like <laughs> it was like a slightly damaged box and some people would be really yeah. scared about that with sheet film and um i think it works out to like a pound or 50p per sheet which is like really quite affordable for mm -hmm. 8 10 it might be a pound or two pounds either way it's like negligible in comparison <laughs> to 20 pounds so yeah i like i can sh and i also bought that box of film two years ago and like just don't use it so i was like I can mm -hmm. afford to shoot as much black and white as I want, but any color photos I take are color photos I can't take for the series I want to take photos with. And I was like, both of shoot, two of the shoots, I did two sheets of color, two sheets of black and white. And one, I was like, no, you're only having black and white. Because like, yeah, I kind of like <laughs> load both. And it's like, if you know it's going to be good and like you want the color, you bring it out. But like, it really is a limitation. Dang. Yeah, because every time you press the button, you're like, money's gone <laughs> like yeah geez. you have to try not to think about it but I like know. at the same time yeah. it's like a good limitation to have because it stops you taking the bad photos that's but true at the same time yeah I, I think it's like the the series i made before this one that i i talked about like wanting that to be the great thing that i made and it on reflection isn't if i didn't make that i wouldn't be able to make the thing i'm making now and sure i spent i don't know how many sheets i shot maybe like 40 sheets that's like a lot of money but that's like I've learned so much through the process of that. Sure, it yeah. could have been black and white and I spent less. But I still learned right. a lot about color theory and like how to edit the scans I'm getting. And mm -hmm. just like all these different things, which without any of that, I wouldn't be able to take any of the photos I'm taking right now. So it's like an investment. True. Man, yeah, that's a great way to look at it too. Because every time I it kind of just went through a similar situation where I was thought I was shooting my next my next book or zine or whatever and when i was finished i was very unhappy with the results but some of those results kind of branched into a whole new idea that i've kind of been working on now it's it's i love that it's it's almost like a school but you know it's you and the film and the camera is teaching you're all teaching each yeah. other kind of mm -hmm. thing and man i didn't even think about eight by ten not being around Th that you said that that just like broke my heart mm -hmm. a little bit yeah. now that you said that I mean, it's, it didn't even cross my mind. It's still being made right now, but yeah, yeah. It's just like I, I don't think people are gonna buy it if it gets much more expensive, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So like, so true. And like all the people which were shooting it have already bought an Alpa or a stupid hundred megapixel Hasselblad. Like they're the kind of people <laughs> right. that yeah. get paid that much. So right. they're like, I'm not mm. paying this much anymore. I'm just gonna shoot this instead. So it's like it's already become rare to shoot it, and people are getting priced out. So right. I think black and white will stay. I'm not worried about that. And actually, I've already like said to myself that after this series, I want to shoot black and white anyway. So yeah. I'm not too bothered, but it's, it's like definitely a shame. 
I'm going to try mm-hmm. and buy some more for cheap if I can. And just like keep it forever. <laughs> yeah, you need to you need to keep your your eyes open for for the next deal coming around just so you well, have I mean, like, it. I have five sheets of slide film for it, which oh, I got nice. sent ages ago. And I just like I just don't know what to use it on. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. yeah. It came in a box that wasn't the box that like the film is. I can't oh, even okay. remember what film it is anymore. That's like the, now the risk which I'm playing with. Yeah. <laughs> but, oh, jeez. Um, <laughs> it's just like, I know that looking, I've only looked at 8x10 slides like twice. And it's like glorious. It's like mm. such yeah. a crazy experience. And I just know, I like, I want to make something really cool with this. But I don't know what it is. And I'm sure one day I'll just be like, no, this is the time I use it. But for now, yeah. Yeah. I just like. I say yeah, it'll come to you. This. The project will come to you. A project of five photos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It'll be a nice little series. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of when Ben Horn, he gets his scans from his, uh, his uh, wait, where does he go? Like Utah or something like that or Colorado? Yeah. I forget where he goes. And um, he flips through just seeing, because I mean, it's a, it's a transparency, you mm-hmm. know, it's a positive and it's just, I mean, even shooting slide film on 35 millimeter, it's like, <gasps> oh, that's yeah. so awesome yeah, when you yeah. see it, you know, it's just, I don't know, man, just to see it in 810, that'd be insane. That'd be it's insane. crazy. The only problem to me is like, there's no actual benefit to it. Like I think <laughs> yeah. it's like a yeah. cool thing. And like I like looking at it, but then it goes in a drawer and I live with the yeah. scan. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say, like, Mick, if you if you did a show and like they were all like hung on the wall, little light boxes, that'd yeah. be cool. Yeah, that'd yeah. be neat. I've seen it done once, I think, where they had yeah. um prints with light boxes of the negatives underneath. But that's not the kind of photography I'm interested in. Right. <laughs> <And> like, <laughs> like I think it's really cool, but that's like such a landscape photographer thing. Yeah. And yeah I don't mean I that in like that necessarily too. a bad way. That's just like not what I'm into, right? And um, yeah, I like I don't want to ever put borders of my film in my photos and stuff like that. Like I just want mm-hmm. I don't even want people to know that I shot this on portrait. I just want them to yeah. look at the images and judge that. So like having the negatives there, that's like yeah, it's only like distracting you from the stuff I want you to pay attention to. Yeah, I was just thinking like the it depends on your audience, I guess, because like if you have it in a gallery and people come look at it. The normal person's not gonna be like, I wonder what film type this is, but like us yeah. film nerds are gonna be like, I bet I could tell. Like, I think it was portrait, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, I like I've seen or I've been talking about it as well recently about photography for photographers mm-hmm. or photography for like the general public, and I don't know what I want to do in terms of that. Like, I'm I'm aware that like the majority of people that buy photo books are people that are like already photographers who are like mm-hmm. supporting yeah. like photo books still existing and like yeah. that's really lame on one part yeah. that like yeah there's no market to this outside of like the other people who make these and it's like the transition like do you should i be trying to make stuff that the general public would also appreciate or should i try and make this like niche thing which i get like special bonus points from people who think like me <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> Man, I was just thinking about this. That's so crazy that you're talking about it right now. <laughs> yeah. I, like, I, I decided for the series I'm working on now that I was going to take some picturesque photos. So, like, yeah. Some photos which are like, actually, no, some ra- like normal person would hang this on their wall still. Not some like yeah. photography lover. And like, I think that's like a good way to think about it. Or like just like have a, 
I have like a list of like mental things to think about whilst I'm preparing photos now um, because like when you're looking at the ground glass and it's upside down or back to front like some have like I have to remind myself certain things yeah <laughs> not yeah. to put too much <laughs> foreground in and um now to think about making it look pretty or just like all these like extra things like I went for a long period of time of hating shallow depth of field like I yeah. just think it's such a cop out it's like such yeah. a it makes it look good to someone who doesn't know about photography mm-hmm. right exactly and like I had this obsession with trying to like it's easy to make something look good when the background's blurry because you don't have to worry about the background yeah what's in the but background? when you have to exactly. compose an image which has like everything in focus that's like the next level of skill and artistry so like I had this phase where I was like everything has to be in focus and perfect and then like a month ago I was like actually no let's shoot everything wide open and have yeah. these dreamy <laughs> 8 by 10 shots so like I'm just like trying to mix it up and realize like what I do and don't do and like learn about what I can do I love that it's also like you know figuring out your style too you know? Yeah, I think that has a lot to do with it. When I say, like, I think it's a cop-out to shoot wide open and things like that, I just mean personally. Like, of course, it's like, it's a great thing and it's a look, but it's not my look. Right, right, yeah. right. I started doing that too with, uh, just like when I take my laps around town down here when I just shoot like, you know, little street photography stuff, I started shooting, you know, F-16 zoned down. So it's, everything's in focus, you know, from a certain, because it really makes you work for an image. Because I used to shoot it, you know, 2.8 and get that one guy doing something. Yeah. And now I'm trying to get that guy doing something with the kid in the background pushing the stroller right. and the car, you know, like it, it really, I don't know. It's the only way you kind of grow is if you start to shoot like that a little bit you know or just to try to do different things in general too i mean you can easily get stubborn in your ways of shooting just like how you said that you know it was like i'll never shoot you know wide open shot again and then you're like oh wait that does look really when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. 